Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Awesome, man. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, Pastor Steve is not up here today. He was hoping to be back, but as you know, uh, doing some quarantine protocol. And we also know that, you know, Pastor Steve was uh, not necessarily contracting the the virus here at the church. Everything's safe here at the church. Uh, We do a lot of sanitizing. uh, You know, Jim sprays this whole room and fumigates it. And so as long as you keep your distance and and do what uh, the CDC is recommending, uh, you you make sure that you're staying safe. And we trust that you're doing that. And so it is important that even in those obstacles that we gather, right, it's also important that even though, you know, some of us are kind of maybe on the couch today or or joining us online, that you're joining us online, that you're actually participating and being a part. So if you would, grab your Bibles. Maybe you're out there today and you've joined us in person. Maybe you have your Bible with you. If you don't, grab your smartphone. I know it's 2020, so grab your smartphone. I want you to follow along the Word of God. It's important when we we follow along together. Uh, I believe that's where God speaks to us. Maybe you want to take out your notepad and take some notes and ask God what He wants to share to you. Because I'm just a, a vessel up here. I'm just going to be speaking, hopefully preaching the Word of God uh, the best of my ability, but it's the Holy Spirit of God that wants to speak to you and help apply that Word to your life today. So you can also, if you're joining us, you can also follow along. I've got the scripture right there and a little bit of the, the kind of the notes on our website, fbcdelray.com notes. You can follow on your phone, on your website right there, wherever you're out in your browser. Let's go to the Word of God, Acts chapter 1. We're in a series called Compelled by Love. And I want to read just a few scriptures. I'm going to really going to uh, paraphrase and, and kind of generalize this entire chapter. We're going to try to cover the entire chapter today. But I just want to read a few verses. So if you follow along with us, uh, Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading and picking up in verse 6. As Jonathan was saying in the children's story, this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples right before he ascends back up to heaven. Okay, So Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He had a fish sandwich with Peter and the rest of the disciples by the river, right? And then he's hung out. The Bible says he was on the earth for 40 days, okay? And so he's, he's about to go back to heaven. He says, I got to go back to heaven, all right? But I'm going to leave you guys here. And this is what he says in verse 6, or in verse 4, he says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go the way to heaven. But in verse 6, this is what he says. So when they come together, they asked him, and this is the disciples, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Verse 8, Jonathan just read from. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And when they were gazing into heaven, As he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, angels, basically, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And I want to skip down to verse 21. Later on, just to paint the picture, the disciples were like, okay. So they go to this upper room, as we know, and they start to pray. And they're seeking God, and they're saying, okay, what are we going to do um, about this vacant apostle spot, you know, because Judas had betrayed Jesus and went and hung himself. So he's no longer in the equation. They said, you know what? We feel like we've got to, because of the scripture, they quoted it and they said, we've got to replace 
this apostle that can help us in the apostolic ministry. And verse 21, so the one of the men who had accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, verse 22, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us as a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two people, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias, okay? And they went and prayed and said, Lord, you know who the hearts of all. Show which one of these men you've chosen to take the place in this ministry of apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go his own place. And they cast lots for them, and a lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So I want to preach a message today about love includes us in the mission in this series that we're currently in, compelled by love. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you so much for the word of God that is true, never returns void. You have spoken to us and you have given us your word so that we might learn, so that we might grow, so that we might be full of your spirit, so that we might have everything we need to accomplish your mission on this earth. And we thank you for including us in that mission. Today as we gather, I pray that you would speak to us and you'd help us as we leave this place and as we log off, that we would make a difference, that we would be your hands and feet, and we'd do what you call us to do. We'd be doers of the word, not just hearers only. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. 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 So, um, man, it's a beautiful day, August 16th. So glad that you joined us. I love this story. How many of you guys have ever, um, ever felt left out? Anybody ever felt left out? Yeah, maybe you've got like a, a clicky group of friends, and you're always kind of the last one invited to things. Um, I know for me, I was actually left out a lot in sixth and seventh grade. I had an older brother and older sister, so they were all the time leaving me out. You know, it was like I was the little runt little brother that didn't get to hang out with the cool kids. And so, you know, my brother, sometimes we'd be riding bikes and him and his friends would all just race off and leave me, you know. And so I'd be on a bike by myself down the street crying, you know. And uh, in sixth and seventh grade, I got cut from the basketball team, tried out, didn't make it. Eighth grade, got cut from the basketball team. And in ninth grade, my freshman year, guess what? I got cut from the basketball team. But I made it all the way down to the second or third cut, okay? So there was 15 spots on the team, and I was like number 16. So I was like the last person cut. And uh, the, the, the coach at the time, Coach Morris, I didn't actually have him as a teacher. A lot of the other, you know, other guys on the team, my friends, they're all my best friends, they all had him as a teacher. So, of course, you know, he knew them. And so we were all about the same talent level. It's like... We were all just young kids, and so, you know, no one was, like, super athletic, but, um, you know, I didn't, didn't barely make the cut, and so what was interesting is that the coach did like me, though, and so he asked me to stay on the team as a scorekeeper, okay? So, you know, I'm a little prideful, but I'm also, at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry and I'm competitive, so I'm like, all right, if I'm going to be the scorekeeper, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the best scorekeeper you've ever seen, you know? So I get on this team, and I'm like, at the announcer booth, you know, and I'm keeping score, I'm keeping track of all type of stats, you know, like you got to keep the, the score, you got to keep how many points each person, you know, does, you got to keep the fouls every time someone commits a foul, and I'm making up stuff, you know, I'm like, okay, this guy's wearing Nikes, this guy's wearing Adidas, this guy's wearing New Balance, like I'm like keeping track of awkward stuff, you know, just like stuff that doesn't even matter, you know, and I started really tallying some other things like turnovers, you know, I'm like, okay, this is a turnover, this is a rebound, like, let's get extra stats in here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing, and so while I'm doing that, one of the games comes up, and I said, you know, coach, at halftime, I said, we got 16 turnovers, he's like, for real, he goes in the locker room, and I could hear him, I could hear, like, you know, metal chairs banging, and he's like, guys, we got 16 turnovers, 
this is unacceptable. <laughs> and so he comes back out. He's fuming mad, but the team doesn't you know, commit but maybe one or two turnovers. We win the game, and the coach looks at me. He's like, let's go. And I'm like, that's right. Well, what happens is a couple weeks later, one of our players gets cut from the team because he didn't have the grades. Okay, and so he, only, he had like under a 2.0 or something. And so he gets cut from the team. And so the coach asked me if I want to be a part of the team. And I said, let's go. You know, I got my name called at the last minute. It was a couple games into the season, but I still made it. And here's the funny thing about it. I was actually able to take my picture in the yearbook with the basketball and my jersey on. You know what I'm saying? So I was a part of the team officially. I didn't make the cut initially, but I was actually on the team for the history. And I believe that that's how... Sometimes in a, in, a, in, a small, um, in a small way, that's how God works with his church. That's how he works with his people. He sends us on a mission, and he includes us in that mission even though we don't deserve it, right? And he also tells us that if you'll be faithful in a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. And you say, well, you know, if you're just going to keep score and do the best that you can, you do what you, you've been asked to do, do what your assignment is, and God will make you ruler over Many things. Sometimes it's hard for us to uh, do the small thing that God's asked us to do because we want to do big things, right? And uh, sometimes that's how God works. God always uh, sends us into situations, maybe sometimes that we don't even understand. Sometimes God gives us an assignment that we don't want to do or that we don't understand in order to get us to trust Him to fully accomplish His will for our life. It's, it's, I mean, examples all over the scripture. Abraham, he says, you know, I want you to go up to the hill and I want you to take a knife and I want you to stab your son to death and put him on the altar and kill him. And Abraham just wakes up the next day and starts packing his stuff and takes his son up to the hill. You know, he doesn't ask questions. He says, you know what, I'm going to trust God. Moses, he says, you know, I want you to take this serpent and wrap it around a pole and, hand, and, and just hold it up in the air. And Moses is like, that doesn't make no sense, but I'm going to do it. And he says, they're going to be healed when they see that snake. Joshua he says, you know, I want you to walk around this city that's even bigger and badder than you guys. I want you to just walk around quiet. On the seventh day, you're going to blow some trumpets and that walls are going to come tumbling down. Joshua didn't understand what God was going to do before he did it, but he just did it. He obeyed and he didn't understand what God was trying to do. Same thing you can see all through scripture. Even Gideon, you know, he's like, I want you to go to war. Gideon doesn't even want to go to war, first of all. And then he wants to take this massive army, three million people or whatever, and God trims him all the way back down to 300 people so that Gideon would trust in God. He didn't see the plan. He didn't understand the plan. He didn't even want to do the plan. But God had a plan and a purpose for his life to execute and include him in the mission. Matthias had been with Jesus, the Bible says, since the beginning. He had been with the disciples, kind of probably felt left out, right? That he wasn't one of the 12. He was close, but he wasn't kind of in the the inner circle click, but God chose him. And in the same way, God is asking and calling us in the midst of wherever we are in the journey to be included in the mission. God's love is so great that he, the Bible says he goes after the one and leaves the 99 just to get one sheep to bring it back into the fold. And that's really the picture of all of us. We're not in the 99. We're all that one. <laughs> We're all the one that's always gone astray. And God is going after us to pull us back in and say, God, I've got a mission and a plan for your life. I love you so much that even when you walk away from me, I'm going to use you for my glory. Amen? I want to give you a couple of just practical tools, though, before we go today um, that will help you, I believe, in your Christian walk and also remind us of God's compelling love. And number one, if you're taking notes today, number one, don't misconstrue the message 
don't misconstrue the message. These are three don'ts, and these are all alliterations, so just go with me, all right? This is a sermon, but uh, it's definitely something that we can hopefully remember. Don't misconstrue the message. Just like the disciples, I believe the church, we have majored in missing the point, haven't we? You know, sometimes we misconstrue the message. If you look back in verse 6 there, you know, in, in Acts chapter 1, the disciples, they go to Jesus right before he's about to send to heaven. They say, hey, Jesus, are you about to take over right now and give Israel the kingdom? Because <laughs> they're thinking, bro, we're going to be kings. We're going to be priests. We're going to be princes. We, we're going to be rich. Jesus is about to ride up on a white horse. He's about to kick all these Romans out of here, and we're about to set up shop, and all of us are going to be around the throne. You know what I'm saying? They're excited about what God's going to do in the natural. And Jesus is like, how long am I going to be with these people? I mean, he's like, he's frustrated. He's doing this little emoji. You know, he's like, my goodness, have you not been with me for three and a half years? (laughs) They're worried about a physical kingdom, and they're worried about Israel being restored to power over the Romans. They're worried about a physical temple, but Jesus was trying to set up a spiritual temple. He had a whole nother kingdom plan. He said, I'm not trying to set up a kingdom of Israel on this earth. I'm trying to set up the spiritual kingdom of Israel, the church of Jesus Christ. I'm establishing a new covenant. And they didn't understand it. I mean, you could see this all through the New Testament from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The the disciples and his followers totally misunderstood what he was trying to say. They thought he was coming to put Israel back in charge over the Romans when in reality God was trying to include people into the family of God and have an eternal plan and set up a spiritual temple. That's why he said when the Holy Spirit comes and comes upon you, you'll be, have power to be my witnesses. That's God's plan to give us his Holy Spirit. Amen? To give us salvation by grace through faith. You see... He wanted their bodies and their hearts to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. You ever played, uh, you ever played this, this kind of child's game? It's a child's game, but it's one of those games you play at a sleepover. It's the game Telephone. Anybody ever played that? No, it's an older game. It's this game where you have like a circle of friends around, and you tell somebody like a long story, and you try to see if you can get the story all the way around the circle. You know what I'm talking about? So it's the game of Telephone. You know, you pick up the phone. And I don't know if you, you use a cup or something, but it's like, you would tell one person, hey, three blind mice uh, played fiddle with the pigs, and they fell off the roof. They grabbed some chips, and they fed the horses. And you're like, now tell the next person. And then the next person says that, and they're like, hey, three blind mice ate some chips, and they rode horses out to the farm. And it's like the story gets all twisted, right? So by the end of the thing, it's like they're talking about elephants and zebras and stuff, and you're like, I didn't even say that, you know? And that's really how we've misconstrued the message of the gospel as the church sometimes, we, we add on things. You know, the Pharisees used to do this. They would add on things to the law. You know, it was like, you, got, you can't take your donkey out on Sunday because if you do that, you're breaking the, the law of working on the Sabbath. And they're adding all these laws to the Sabbath, you know. And Jesus is like, bro, if your donkey falls in a ditch, get it out the ditch. You know, you're going to go bankrupt without a donkey to help your business grow. He's like, and they're like, why are these disciples eating and not washing their hands? And he's like, bro, it's not even about that. You guys are making up stuff. And that's how the church, sometimes we can miss out on the real message of Jesus, which is come and be saved, come and repent, restore yourself to me, just be loved and be accepted by me, receive the gift of the gospel, not have to achieve it. 
And that's what Paul warns about in the book of Galatians. He talks about it all through the Old Te- in the New Testament. He writes these letters saying, listen, man, you guys are adding things about circumcision and non-circumcision. The only thing that matters is Jesus Christ died for our sins. He rose from the grave. And you receive him as Lord and Savior, and then you walk with him, and that's about it. And each and every day you work out your, fear, uh, your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I know there's a lot of things you've got to know along the way, but that's it. That's the basics of the gospel. You come to me and I'll clean you up. And sometimes as a church, we add things to people's salvation. We try to add things before people can actually get saved and get in, involved in church or get involved in what God is doing or, or tell them about. We make the gospel so complicated that people don't even want to get started because they don't know where to start. They're like, well, you know, hey, will you want to come to church with me on Sunday? Come with me. Well, I don't have any clothes. And it's like, well, what clothes do you need to come to, to, to Jesus? What clothes do you need to come to God? Sometimes they say, well, man, you know, I've got some things. I got a, I, I got a drinking problem. It's like, that's okay. Come to church. Come and be a part of what God, God has a plan for your life. He'll work all those other things out. Sometimes we like to, to get a couple of different behaviors that we don't like, right, as the church, that kind of look on the outside that people have got it together. We want to clean those things up before we, we give people an opportunity to be used by God. But God says, you come to me. It's not about behavior modification. The gospel is about heart transformation. And if you'll get your heart transformed, your behaviors are going to follow, right? And so if you'll say, just come to Jesus, get your heart right, God's going to change your behavior. He's going to change the outward things if we get the inward change. The problem is we're trying to change the outward before the inward. And people could be sitting on pews and misconstrue and misunderstand the gospel if we're not very clear of saying this is very simple. Jesus loves you, and he died on a cross to save you. And if you receive him, you're now a child of God. And after that, we're going to work and we're going to grow. But we've got to keep it very, very simple. Let's not misconstrue our message as the church is Jesus. Jesus is our message. John chapter 3, verse 16, you already know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And in verse 17, I love this, he didn't come so that the world would be condemned but so the world through him might be saved. That's our message that Jesus loves people so much. And the great thing about this message is that God loves us so much he trusts us with his Holy Spirit. That he wants to actually be with us. That's the difference between, you know, Christianity religion and a Muslim religion or whatnot. This is the only opportunity where God comes to live and dwell with you. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you can't even say that without the Holy Spirit. He washes and regenerates our hearts, and he gives us a new heart, and God's Spirit dwells with our spirit, and he cries out, Abba, Father. We have God living inside of us. That's the crazy part, that he trusts us with his own presence, that he He gives us his Holy Spirit, and now we can preach the message that Jesus is Lord. Amen? Secondly, don't miss out on that message. That message is very clear, very simple. Jesus is our message. He saves. Jesus saves. But secondly, don't minimize the mission. Don't minimize the mission that God has for you. If Jesus has saved you, well, then he's given you a mission. He's given you a purpose. If God gives you his Holy Spirit, what has he given you his Holy Spirit for? For a purpose and for a mission. If not, Jesus would save you, right? And then teleport you straight to heaven, right? But instead, he saves you, and then it's now what? Right? We didn't all just get, you know, snatched up and, and, and go to heaven as soon as we, we said our sinner's prayer and we received Jesus as our Lord. He gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can be included in his mission. 
And that's what he was trying to explain to the disciples in Acts chapter 1. He's saying, you'll receive power to be my witnesses. That's our mission, to be witnesses. Some of us have got our roles mixed up, you know. We think that becoming a Christian means that we've got to be the judge. And we've got to execute judgment on people and say, hey, you're going to hell. And this is how long you're going to hell because you wore a skirt too short, you know. And you said a bad word on Thursday. But our job is not to be the judge, right? That's God's job. Uh, some of us think we're supposed to be the prosecutor and just tell everybody what we think about them or tell everybody off or we got to tell people why their doctrine is this and why their doctrine is bad. Or, and, and I get about, you know, the, the, the basics of the gospel. I'm talking about petty things. I'm talking about really just bickering and fighting between one another. The prosecutor's job is Satan's job. It's not our job, right? It's not our job to attack everybody and, and, and push everybody down. Our job is not to be the defendant and try to defend everybody and be the lawyer and be the advocate, do the saving. That's Jesus' job. Our job is to be a witness. God's calling you to just be on the witness stand. God's not calling you to, be, uh, to put in any work. He's just asking you to be a witness. You know, witnesses don't have to do any work. They just show up, they get on the stand, and they say what they saw. That's it. And some of us, we just need to understand that that is our mission. Our mission is not a small mission. It's a great mission, but it doesn't require us uh, to go outside of what God's already given us. It doesn't require us to, to make up anything. It doesn't require us to, to, to take on a burden more than we can bear. You know, maybe you are, you're married and you have a white picket fence and two and a half kids and three dogs and, you know, uh, a two-story house. What is your mission? If you're in Christ, your mission is to make disciples. It's to be a witness. Maybe you're, you know, retirement age and, you know, divorced or maybe um, uh, on disability. Maybe your, your mission is to, to make disciples and your mission is to be a witness. Maybe you're 17 years old and you're on your way to college. You're worried about what university to go to. What is your mission? To make disciples and be a witness. That's all of our mission. That's all of our jobs is to be a witness. No matter where you find yourself on life's journey, no matter what has happened to you along the way, our mission is not to be minimized. Our mission is to be a witness and to make disciples. Matthew 28, he tells us this. Jesus, right before he's about to go, you know, he has a couple conversations with his disciples over those 40 days. One of those conversations in Matthew 28, he says, I want you to go into all the world teaching and baptizing. And the main Greek word or the verb there that he really wants them to do is make disciples. I've got to have you make disciples. That's why Jesus said it's better that I go away. In John chapter 14 through 16, he talks about the Holy Spirit being in the life of the believer. And he says, it's better that I'm going away so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you and be in your hearts through the Spirit. And, and that's why I'm ready to go back to heaven. Jesus left at 33 years old. He's in the prime of his life. But he says, I'm going back to heaven now that I've risen from the grave so that I can include all of you in the mission of saving souls. I can't heal everybody's body by just you know laying hands on everybody i can only reach so many different people and i can only tell so many parables at a time but if i can get my spirit inside of all of you we can spread this thing all over the globe right and i'm not willing that anybody should perish and so that was god's plan was to ultimately go back to heaven jesus was at the right hand of the father and he would send his holy spirit 10 days later the day of pentecost that's what happened and we see that our mission is to make disciples our mission is to be witnesses God loves us so much that he wants to include us in his mission. He doesn't want to 
do all the work because he's given us an opportunity to do the work. It's not about he's being lazy. He's delegating authority to us to be used and to be a part of this great redemption story. He's saying, I'm going to give you authority to go out there and reach people that, are, that, that, that the whole world will see Jesus through your life. That's an incredible opportunity. It's an incredible responsibility. It's an incredible uh, redemption story that he would include me and you, sinners saved by grace, to see other sinners saved by grace. Amen? And thirdly, don't miss the moment. I know these are just practical tools for you. I hope that we can see this in Acts chapter 1 here, that they completely missed the message. They were minimizing the mission of, of what Jesus had called them to do. But once they received the Holy Spirit, they had a moment there to seize. And they realized that, hey, we've been called to do this thing. But some of us, we can miss our moment if we're unaware of the moment we're in. And some of us, we're, right now, we're in a pandemic. All of us are in a pandemic, right? We've seen our entire world be upset and, and kind of uh, ripped apart from our daily routine. And we've seen a new routine. We've seen some weirdness. We've seen, uh, we're in a political year, right? So we've got a bunch of politics going on. We've got a bunch of craziness happening in our world, all over the world. We've got bombs going off across the world. We've got earthquakes happening in North Carolina. I've never even, I mean, I was in South Carolina, and they tell me about an earthquake over there. I'm like, we never had an earthquake in South Carolina before. You know, like, earthquakes happening all over the place, hurricanes. The end is coming. Jesus is on his way back. And we've got a moment right now to seize, to spread the gospel. You know, um, I remember in 2013, uh, the Miami Heat had LeBron James on their team. He was like the greatest basketball player, besides, you know, either him or Michael Jordan, right? So there's a big debate. But LeBron James, one of my favorite players, and he came to Miami, and the Heat started winning. It was a really fun time. I was living in Miami at the time, and it was just really fun having the Heat like kind of be the talk of the town. And in 2013, the Miami Heat were playing the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA Finals, okay? And the Heat were the defending champs. We were at home in Miami. And one thing about Miami is Miami has a lot of things going on. You got the beach. You got, you know, a lot of restaurants. You got a lot of fun things happening in the city. There's football. There's baseball. There's a lot of stuff, right? There's theaters. And, I mean, there's just so many things to do. You can go, to, go on the town and have a good time. But... The problem with that is, is that the basketball team sometimes has a late arriving crowd. You know, like the Miami Heat fans are not always like the most loyal fans. Like if we're losing, we're out the door, right? And even like the game starts at 7, we're all rolling in about 7.45. And so, you know, uh, what happened was in game six of the finals, the uh, San Antonio Spurs were up three games to two. So they're about to win the whole championship. And what happens, if you remember, if you were there, you, you watch basketball any, uh, the Miami Heat were losing about uh, six points with about 30 seconds left. LeBron James hits a three, puts him within three points, okay? And uh, what had happened prior to that, the Heat were down by like 10, 12 points. But the game's getting close. Well, what happened was fans started leaving the arena because they're like, man, this game's over. We lost. We're out of here. See ya, you know? Chuck up the deuces, and they, they just start heading out for the exits. And actually, you can see the picture. There's pictures, video evidence, Fans are leaving the stadium, okay? This is 2013. They're just heading out the elevators, going home. They want to beat the traffic, all right? And all of a sudden, 30 seconds left, LeBron hits a three. They're within three points, okay? So we get down to the last second. LeBron gets the ball again, and he misses a three. Rebound Bosch. Back out to Ray Allen. Give us that next slide, all right? This is history in the making right here. Oh, Ray Allen for three. Five seconds left. Woo! Nothing but net. Bang, Okay. He ties the game. It goes into overtime. The Heat win the game, which is crazy. 
fans are trying to get back in the stadium. They're like, oh man, get my ticket back. They can't even get back into their seats to see the end of the game. They missed out on this miraculous history that happened where the Heat came back. Even with like hardly any time left, they hit the three, win the game in overtime. They come back in game seven and actually win the NBA Finals. And the whole story was wrapped around game six, where Ray Allen hits this three for them to tie the game. And the fans were actually outside. Not, not all of them, but right, thousands of fans, hundreds of fans were outside the stadium trying to get back in because they missed out on this last moment. You see... In the same way, I love what happens in Acts chapter 1. If you'll read, and we didn't get to actually hit the scripture, but it's right there before verse 21. The Bible says that there were 120 people in the upper room praying. The disciples, you know, Mary was there. Um, some of the other disciples were there. Some of the people that had followed Jesus and, and come to know Christ and followed his ministry. Some people that were probably healed. I'll bet, you know, the, the woman with the issue of blood might, might have been there. Who knows if, if um, you know, the little boy with, uh, with five loaves and two fishes was there. Who knows if, if Mary Magdalene was there. I bet Martha might have been there, right? I mean, maybe Lazarus was there. He was rose from the, from the dead. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people that started following Jesus and saw his, his work, and they're in that upper room. And the interesting thing, though, is that's only 120 people. How many of you know that the Bible says that there were 500 people that actually saw Jesus after his resurrection? There were 500 people that witnessed Jesus rose and risen from the grave. They saw his hands and his feet, his scars. They saw him speaking. They, real, they saw him eating food. He wasn't a ghost. And they saw that he was there, and they witnessed. And some doubted, the Bible says, right? And so we've got 380 people, right? 500 minus 120 is 380. Those 380 people didn't stay around long enough. They couldn't wait 10 days they didn't want to stay in prayer. Maybe they didn't believe enough to say, man, I believe Jesus is going to use us. And when he said, I'm coming back and I'm going to send you your Holy Spirit, they were like, I don't even know what that means, so I'm out of here, right? And 380 people missed out on the miracle of Pentecost where God sent his spirit and they began to preach the gospel and people started getting saved left and right, right? We had 3,000 people saved on one day. Within a few weeks, a few months there, the Bible says that, or scholars tell us that there were close to 25,000 people getting saved over the next few, few months there. The, the Lord just started adding to their number daily. It was crazy. And God started really a, an outbreak of what the church is today, right? Where we see the church all over the world. God was using the apostles, and so many, 380 people, missed out on that moment. I'm not sure how many of them actually came to Christ and received Him as Lord and Savior and were baptized. That's not my point. But my point is, is that they missed out on that moment. They missed out on being part of the ministry and the mission that God had for them. I'm telling you today, don't leave the mission that God has for you. Don't miss out on the moment just because it doesn't look like how you think it should look. Right now, this pandemic does not look how we think it should look. As a church, we don't like this. We like gathering. We like hugging. We like, you know, shaking hands. We like getting together. We like praying together. We like putting hands, you know, laying hands on people. We like, you know, uh, eating the same food together right here around the table. You know, our Wednesday night meals, I know a lot of us have probably missed that. But in this season, it's going to look maybe a little bit different, but we don't want to miss out on what God is still doing in this time because maybe God is trying to do something different than he's ever done before. I'm telling you, God is, Jesus is on his way back. He's coming for a bride. He's coming for his church. And he wants us to be in the mission of saving souls. That's what it's about, making disciples. And in this pandemic, we can't just wait for things to get back to normal. We can't just wait because God wants to do something 
new. God wants to use you in this pandemic to reach people for Jesus, right? That's the mission. I'm just going to spell it out for you. Jesus wants to use you to reach lost souls and bring them into the kingdom of God, even in this pandemic. And he doesn't want to wait till things go back to normal. He doesn't want to wait until we can all gather again. He wants to use you wherever you're at. So maybe you're stuck at home online right now, and you're like, I haven't even been to the grocery store. I'm just Amazon everywhere, and I don't even leave my house. That's fine. God wants to use you to reach people for Jesus and save lost souls. That's what he's still in the business of doing. And maybe there's family members that you need to pray for and call up. Maybe there's people that you need to go visit. Even in this pandemic, there's people on your job. There's people that you're interacting with that need Jesus. They need the gospel. They need the love of God, and he's going to use you to be his hands and feet. Some of us have gotten this mixed up. We're like, well, man, I, I just miss coming to church. I miss the way things used to be. But God wants to use you in this moment. Don't miss the boat. Don't miss out on this moment because... It doesn't look the way you think it should look. God has a mission for your life, and he wants to include you in that mission. As we close today, I want the band to come back up. We're going to sing a song and worship together. I believe God's going to send us out on mission. God actually trusts us to fulfill the Great Commission. He's given us an assignment to make disciples, according to Matthew 28. How are we going to make disciples? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice he tells the disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Because when he comes, you'll be my witnesses into all of the earth. Because of his resurrection, he was able to send the Holy Spirit into their lives. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that then they become children of God. Right? And if we're children of God, he says, then we're, we're heirs with Christ. So we have the same inheritance. We're able to, to receive the anointing and the, and the power of the Holy Spirit to to tell people about Jesus. You say, well, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know how to talk to my neighbors or my friends or my barista. I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. The Bible says, Jesus tells you, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Just open your mouth and tell somebody. Tell someone about what he's done for you. You don't have to convince everybody of all the doctrine or all the scriptures that you know. You just have to tell them what he's done in your life. You say, well, I don't know how, you know, I can't break down all the theology in Rome, the Romans road. I don't even know all that. I don't need you to do any of that. Jesus changed my life, and here's what he could do for you if you'll just give his life, your life to Jesus. If you can tell somebody about that, if you can love people, if you can show them the love. And it's hard to tell people about love. God, I've received God's love, but you're not a loving person, you know. <laughs> it's like the more loving you are, I promise you, people are going to see Jesus' love. They're going to see God's love manifest through your life. It's a supernatural thing. It really is. I know it sounds mystical. It's like, well, I don't know what that means, even receiving the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural thing that he comes to live inside of you. And he begins to talk to your conscience and your soul and your heart and your spirit. And you're just like, man, I feel like God wants to do something. That's the tug of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to you. When you're reading the Word of God and something jumps out to you, and you're like, man, I never thought about that before. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you as you read the Word of God. Maybe you're talking to someone in a life group. Or you're on the phone with someone and, 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 and something hits right there deep down and you're like, man, I don't know, somebody said something that, that really spoke to me. That's the tug of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to you. He's trying to change. He's trying to, he's trying to send you into something. Maybe there's something that's troubling you today and you're like, man, I, this is really getting me upset. I'm, I'm sick and tired of seeing, you know, um, sex trafficking in our world. I'm sick and tired of seeing things in our world in regards to, to prejudice and racism. Maybe God's putting something in your heart to make a change and a difference. The Holy Spirit calling you on mission. 
Maybe you've got a heart for lost people. Maybe, maybe it's you know, the LGBT community. You're like, man, that's, I just can't believe that people would live that way. And da, 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 da. Maybe God's calling you to reach people in that community. And he's calling you to love people in that community. God's putting us, his Holy Spirit in us to give us the power to reach people that are far from him. That's what he's given us uh, the power to do. It's not just to come to church on Sunday and, and feel good about ourselves that we're on our way to heaven. It's how many people can we save from hell? How many people can we include in this mission together? Amen? God doesn't want you to minimize your role. Whatever you've got in your hand, give it to God for his glory. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So whether you're a photographer, hey, take pictures for Jesus. Maybe you can help us. You know, Robin Craig, one of our great servant leaders, she's been helping us get our website going and our social media upgraded. Maybe you've got a gift to, 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 you know, to draw or do art or something. We could use that for God's glory. Maybe you, you're you know, a musician. It's not just about you know, singing and, and then preaching. There's so much more to be done in the body of Christ than just singing and preaching, right? And, the, and this is what Paul says. He says, he says you know, you, you can have a mouthpiece, but how many of you know you actually need some ears too, you know? And some of us, we all just want to be the mouthpiece, but God wants us to actually be the ears. Maybe you're a listening ear in the body of Christ. Maybe you are a knee in the body of Christ. Some of us want to be the feet. We want to go. But some of us need to be the hands. And some of us need to be the shoulders. All of those things working together to be on mission for the body of Christ, to see Jesus lifted up, to see lost souls saved, so that when he comes back, we're ready to meet him in the air. We've brought as many people as we can with him. That's our mission. He's coming back. He's our soon-coming king, and he's given us the responsibility and the opportunity to be included in seeing the world saved. Amen? I mean, that's as, that's as simple as it gets. We've got to keep the message, Jesus, and do whatever's in our hand to get this mission across. And right now is our moment, right? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't waste another day uh, you know, not using your, your, your gifts or using your time to see people one for Christ. I want us to pray together and I want to ask God to bless as we go because we've got work to do, church. Amen? Even in the midst of a season like this, we've got work to do and I pray that those are even joining us online, that you'll pray with us and we believe that God's going to use you in this mission. Maybe you're out there today and I know some of us in this room, I know most of the people in this room, but maybe you're out there online and you're just clicking on this and you say, you know what, I need to get included in the mission. I don't even feel close to God. Jesus can save you by his grace if you'll just pray this prayer with me. Let's pray this prayer together. We're going to pray a, a sinner's prayer and saying, God, I repent and I receive you as Lord of my life. Lord, thank you so much for everybody that's in this room and that's online right now watching. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you're able to do it. We're not the people that do this, does the saving, God. You're able to save, to heal, to set free. I pray for everybody that's watching today. If you want to receive Jesus Christ, say, Dear Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. I want to give my life completely to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for raising yourself from the dead. And I want to be included in your mission. I want to be included in your family. Forgive me of my sin and give me a hope and a future. I'm yours, Lord. I'll follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.